0: You're
1: listening to The Packernet Podcast Network It's only a kick A jump
0: A block It's only a serve It's only a tackle A run It's only for the fans
1: After all, it's only pressure You got this. Adidas. What's up, guys and gals? Welcome into Packers Total Access. I'm your host, Clayton Bailey. You can check us out on PackerNet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. If you'd like to email the show, you can do that by sending a message to Packers Access at gmail.com. And we've got on the on the line with us today our good buddy from PackerNet Podcast, Mr. Jacob. Jacob, what's going on, buddy? How you doing on this Sunday afternoon?
0: Man, I'm doing great. It's uh it's been a lot of uh, busy stuff happened in the last few days working in Packers football. So can't complain.
1: <laughs> Absolutely, man. It's, uh, it's finally here, right? Everything's here. And uh, I don't know, man, I'm excited about football season. Just, just watching the game the other night and not necessarily in I uh, um, I don't know, in a detailed manner, just hanging out with Ryan, those preseason games, dude, it's fun to watch those um, and do a stream. But when that regular season kicks off, Jacob, it's going to be so stressful, man. I can't. I can't do it on on
0: screen like that. Just can't. I happen. was going to say I won't be able to do that. I'll be I'll be cussing and pacing and sweating too much.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. All right. So, here's what we got in line for today, guys. Um We got our very first Chalk Talk episode. You know, we've been explaining how we're going to do a a different format in season for Packers Total Access, so today's going to be our first Chalk Talk episode. There may be later on in the season where we do multiple plays on a Chalk Talk episode, but today we're just going to key in on one specific play, and that's a Romeo Dobbs uh, 33-yard touchdown catch there in the first quarter of the preseason game against the Niners. And then we're also going to look back on the five players that I told you guys on a past pod, that I was looking to really pay attention to, um, you know, uh, in the in the first preseason game, and we're going to talk about their PFF grades real quick and kind of give you an idea of of how well they played. Maybe you know, honestly, it looks like one of them played extremely well. One of the five that I listed. Uh, Two played kind of at par, what I would expect a a rookie to do. And then two underperformed a little bit. So we're going to kind of touch on that so you get a little bit better understanding of how those players performed as well. And then we're also going to answer a listener email. Um, And it's, it's a really cool one. I think you guys will appreciate it being hardcore Packer fans. So let's do this. Let's jump into the first segment. And again, this is a work in progress. The goal here, guys, isn't to sound smart. One of the things, one of my biggest pet peeves are when, "Quote unquote coaches or tape heads, they try to make the terminology more difficult than it actually is when they're communicating specifics on a play, right? And uh, I don't want that. To, don't want this to turn into that. Okay. I, what I want you guys to come away uh, from this pod with is a little bit better understanding of exactly what happened in the game, and more specifically, one of the big plays. Okay. That's the whole purpose of this. So please." Don't take me using different terminology as trying to sound cool or smart. The goal is to help educate other people. And then in turn, you know, I'm going to learn a ton of stuff along the way as well. And if you guys have information that I might not understand, shoot me an email and we'll add it to the show, communicate it. and We'll all learn together. That's the goal. Okay. so the play that we're going to break down, the one that stood out and Jacob, I know we uh, we went nuts on this. We were a little bit off tilt. When it came to everybody's stream, it seems like all three of us that first half we weren't synced up at all. So you guys see me throwing a football across the room and getting fired up, and you guys were in a timeout or something, right? So it got a little bit a uh, little bit wild there. But the play that we're going to break down was in the first quarter. There was five minutes and fifty seconds left. Um, there was uh, it was a fourth and three, okay. And Jacob, first of all, I want to get your take on this play before we break it down. You seen the Romeo Dobbs touchdown, right? have, yep. Yeah, okay, cool, so what was your take on it, just watching it as a fan, as we were sitting there watching it, how, how did you feel, you know, Romeo did on that play, what stood out to you, is there anything that you were like, man, that was, you know.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh we okay. were talking earlier about how right away it comes up, and sees Degora Gora set on the left, side probably that would have been the seat to go to but he did see that the uh, cornerback was on the inside technique which if you want to just real quick explain what the inside technique means for people that maybe not know that
1: yeah absolutely you know it's different coaches use different terminology sometimes people would just say inside man some people I like to say technique because it tells people okay that's a technique the defender's using so inside technique and then others will say shade but shades a terminology that's used a lot on the defensive line um but uh, you know it, everything kind of becomes convoluted my goal is to create our own form of language on here for listeners to understand a little bit better but when you say inside technique imagine a, a defender lining up with a receiver or a running back or a tight end from across across the line of scrimmage and they're in man coverage okay so if you've got a, in this case, Dobbs. Let's just jump right into it. Um, he's in in the, you know in the slot, right? He's just he's lined up just off the right side of the offensive line. He's probably looks like maybe five yards, maybe four yards away from the right tackle. He's lined up there. The DB is is basically he's lined up on Dobbs's left shoulder, so he's centered on Dobbs's left shoulder, which is showing he's showing inside shade, inside technique, meaning he's looking to take away a slant, a drag, anything like that. And typically when a DB does that, it means there's a blitz coming because the goal is get to the quarterback before they can get Mm -hmm. the ball out. So you want to take away those underneath routes. You want to take away those easy outlets. And let's just jump right into the dissecting of this play, okay? Like I said, it's fourth and three. This is what I call gun, empty 11, strong left, okay? Gun obviously means they're in the shotgun. Empty means there's nobody in the backfield. 11 is the personnel, which is one running back, one tight end, meaning three wide receivers. Where well, you're going, okay, so they've got 11 personnel, they got a running back out there, but but it's an empty backfield? Absolutely. So they've got the running back flexed all the way out to the right side of the formation, okay? So they're in a five-wide set, basically, and it's empty, it's gun, empty 11, strong left. The strong left is communicating that the tight end, Wherever if we said strong right, that means the tight end would have been on the right side of the of Mm -hmm. the ball of the offensive line. But seeing that he's strong left and he is flexed, he's attached to the line, he's flexed just a bit. Um, that left is telling us the tight end is on the left side of the formation. So essentially it turns into a trips formation. Again, don't want to go down the rabbit hole of trying to explain every little nuance. We just want to explain this play and try to do it on a podcast with a number system. Now, I'm a big uh, Real
0: quick, did they motion out the the running back? Did he start in the backfield, and did they motion him out, or did they actually start with him flexed out?
1: If I remember correctly, and I'm watching the all 22 that's already cut, so they're already set. I'm pretty okay. sure they broke the huddle and went to that five wide set. Okay. Now, if you do pre snap motion, <clears throat> you still got the same end result. But that's a great question, by the way, Jacob. It's you still got the the end result, but it it'll there'll be motion added into the terminology, and that tells the running back. You know, motion, right, whatever. So um, in this scenario, though, when it comes to calling out the play and understanding the route combinations, this is why I said on past podcasts, guys, that that every offense that people make it sound like the difference between a West Coast offense and a power run offense or whatever. They're, they're so different. The only thing that's different is the terminology, right? That's all it is that everybody's running the same route combinations. Everybody runs the same route tree. If you don't know what the route tree is, there's nine routes on a tree, on the the wide receiver route tree, okay? Basically, a nine route is a fly that's straight down the field, right? It's a go route. A seven is a corner. So it's 10 to 15 yards, and then you're breaking out toward the sideline. An eight is a post, so it's opposite of the corner. You've got a five, which is a deep out. You've got a six, which is a deep dig or in, right? An in route. You've got a three, which is a hitch which is you know anywhere from five to ten yards and then curl out towards the sideline then you got the actual curl route is in so the difference between a hitch is you break out and back to the ball and the curl is you break in and back to the ball okay that's the four route and then the one route is a quick out towards the sideline the two route is the slant you know the two to three yards and then breaking inside diagonally uh, you know those quick hitters so with that being said This play, gun empty 11, strong left, 49-29-4. I use the old archaic East Coast terminology because it's an easier way to communicate the same information, and every team has different terminology they use, okay? So, 49-29-4, from left to right, you've got Jawan Winfrey all the way over. He is the X receiver. The X is always going to be the receiver for the most part that's lined up the farthest from the ball. OK, so he's the X receiver next to him. You've got Amari Rogers, who is the uh, he's, he's right here in the slot. Then you've got um, Josiah Deguara, who's your tight end. And then on the right side of the ball, you've got Romeo Dobbs. And then you've got Patrick Taylor, the halfback. OK, so forty nine, twenty nine twenty-nine, four. Juwan Winfrey. That's a four route. It's going to be just a little sit like a little curl inside um, Amari Rogers is going to be on route. Now it's a, it's a goal route, but it's got a fade aspect to it. So we call that a non fade route. Okay. There's no fade on the route tree. That's just kind of the technique he's going to use in that go route up next is Josiah Aguaro which I put a two down because he breaks the route off and turns it into kind of like this skinny, this skinny seam route with a, almost like a little slant to it. And you'll, you'll, you'll understand why in a minute when I explain exactly what happens on the play. And then on, on the opposite side, you've got Dobbs with another nine route. That's going to be a fade. So a non-fade concept. So basically, and then on the, uh, on the opposite side, you've got Taylor at the very top of the screen. He's going to run a four route as well. So four two or four nine two nine four is the route combination here. Okay. And all of them are designed to do something specific. When, when the ball is snapped, you'll notice that, um, if you guys go back and watch it yourself, when the ball is snapped, you'll see kind of uh, what the the idea is here. You're looking to determine, okay, are they really in man coverage or are they in zone? So when the ball is snapped, this, these outside DBs are basically playing press. They're right up. Okay, that tells you right off the bat that's man coverage. you got one deep safety down the seam, okay? Well, that deep safety down the seam looked like he was playing, you know, either a cover one or maybe they were disguising a, a cover three uh, man press, right? But when the ball is snapped, DeGuara comes completely uncovered underneath. That was actually the route that, that Jordan Love should have gone to. So to go back and talk about the different terminology, we were talking to uh, Coach Han in the chat. He referred to this play as 11 NASCAR, Trey left, op- okay? left empty, Haas Y option. Okay, 11 NASCAR, Trey left empty, Haas Y option. That's a lot of termino- terminology in different coaching staffs that may mean something a little bit different. That's why I wanted to use the number system. But what happened on this play? Let me explain it to you. So Jordan Love, obviously, throws a touchdown pass to Romeo Dobbs, 33 yards, right? And you see it in, it, in the casual family, see that playing. Oh, man, that was just that was great. Pitch and catch deep. You know, he really burned them deep. There's so much going on in this play, Jacob. And this is why we wanted to do a chalk talk segment. First of all, they're playing zero man coverage, but they're showing a one deep sugar. So that safety that's on the left side of the hash there.
0: Can you explain what a sugar is for for those real quick?
1: Absolutely. Sugar is a terminology used by coaching staffs when you're trying to disguise a look. Okay. So let me go back to the early 2000s. It's a great question. I'm glad you asked that, Jacob. In the early 2000s, you guys remember when the New England Patriots would absolutely dominate Peyton Manning? You remember that, Jacob? Oh, yeah. Okay. This is what would happen. Peyton Manning is this computer at quarterback, right? Arguably, he's arguably the best to ever play the game from a mental standpoint, right? But Mm -hmm. he would come to the line of scrimmage and they would have a base play called. And when he would come to the line of scrimmage, he would read the defense and then he would change the play at the line of scrimmage. And he'd be calling out, you know, terminology. You guys remember Omaha, Omaha, right? Omaha, Omaha. Now now it's Omaha (laughs) Productions. And, you know, it's funny, most of the time he was just, he was sugaring himself, right? He was making them think he was changing the play, especially when they started to catch on. But anyway, what Bill Belichick would do, they studied his tape, and they said, you know what, he comes to the line, he reads the defense, and then it was like like clockwork. I think it was the seven-second mark. There'd be seven seconds left on the play clock, and then he would change the play, come set, maybe one fake snap or, uh, you know, one hard count, and then they would snap the ball and go. Well, Bill Belichick being the freaking genius that he is, he said, I want us to show a look that's opposite of what we're actually running. And you guys do not shift into the real defense until seven seconds on the play clock. So he comes to the line. He goes, okay, this is what they're doing. Okay, they're in a two-man under. They may have two two safeties up on the shelf. And then he goes, go, okay, Omaha, Omaha. He changed the play. And Then at the seven second mark, he gets under center, he's ready to you know to start his hard count and snap the ball. Well, guess what would happen? That defense would shift around, and everything was totally different from what he saw. That's what you call sugaring. The defense was sugaring their look. And when I say sugaring, it's you know, they're they're tricking you, they're you know, blowing you a kiss there. Like, hey, <laughs> you get as soon as the ball is snapped, and it's not what you, another terminology, you know, term that's used is seeing ghosts, right? They'll say, I'm seeing right. ghosts out there. And, and you know, you can go back to the Brett Favre days, and Mike Holmgren would always tell him, don't see any ghosts out there. Meaning, <sighs> forget what the defense is even doing, okay? If, if you go through your progressions in a West Coast offense, meaning here's your first read, here's your second read, here's your third read, every offensive play is designed for success. If you read every offensive play 100% correct, and it's easier said than done, there will be a receiver open. Because your keys, your side adjustments are okay. You know, if the first op, if if the first uh, progression in the read is a uh, you know, let's say the first progression in the read here in this specific play is the non route, the fade route on the left side there from Amari Rogers. Okay, when he snaps the ball, he looks there. He sees the safeties over the top. That's not going to be there. Let's go to read number two. Maybe read number two is DeGuara. And he's you know going down the seam uncovered. Bam, the number two would be there. Well, let's say they were playing press man on DeGuara, then he wasn't open. Then you would go to read number three, which might be Dobbs on the back side or on the front side rather. So anyway, that's what sugaring means there. Um, so zero man, one deep sugar. The sugar in this case was they had to sit safety deep down the seam, which made you think he's just playing a deep zone. Which, when in fact, what he was doing. Was covering man. He was in man coverage on DeGuara, but he was just playing way off. Now, how did they get away with that, Jacob? It's because they had two linebackers in the middle of the field here, so you don't know are they going to drop into coverage or not. So as soon as the ball snapped, the uh, the weak side linebacker immediately blitzes the A to B gap, and it looks to me like the strong side backer is actually in a spy delay blitz. Okay, meaning he's not going to attack as quick the guy attacks the B gap on on the uh, on the right side of the line and then you see that delay blitz he wants all five of those offensive linemen to engage with with the pass rushers and then he's going to come free now obviously the protection was set up to where Jordan Love identified the weak side linebacker as the mock okay which tells the right tackle you're going to block the end the right guard is going to have to Work in unison with the center to either block this this uh, two technique or it might might even be a three technique on the right side from the offense's perspective. They've got a this these three offensive line on the right side, the tackle, the guard, and the center. They're going to slide to the right and pick up that mock linebacker that was identified, which was the weak side linebacker. What that tells you is this strong side linebacker is free. Nobody's blocking him. They're bringing six. We're only got five in the pass protection. So that's on Jordan Love. Jordan Love's job is to make sure that that sixth rusher does not hit home. So he's got to get the ball out quick, and he knows it. And that's a good thing. He, he read this play. Pre-snap, he read it beautifully. Post-snap, he made a little bit of a mistake, but it still ended up being a great play. Okay, so zero man, one deep sugar, leaving DeGuar on a free release. So the fact that they're sugaring with that safety deep, they were probably what, – what Jordan Love is looking at here is – are they blitzing or not? If they are, then is guara going to be open? Now, right before the snap, you've seen the safety start to creep up. He starts to show his hand. He backpedals, and bam, he attacks guara. okay? Jordan Love might have gave him a peek, but he sees something else on the right side with uh, with uh Dobbs. What
0: I was going to say is it's almost like the release was so smooth and so quick that he didn't have to even look over toward guara You know what I mean? It was – like we talked about – being that he has that inside technique, the cornerback, Dobbs could have tried to simply just release and just shoot up field, but he he hard faked real quick, stepped inside, and then did that, you know, move to get around him. And like we talked about the separation. Like after even just five yards, he's he's past him. after ten yards, he's two feet past him after fifteen yards, you know what I'm saying? like you you go on and you he was running away from the guy. And we talked about his game speed. and that is just, Really incredible to watch, and when Dude, you slow it down into, into slow motion, it's it's it is Devonte esque. I will say,
1: it, I'm telling you, man, it's deceptive. The, the The kid has what they call football speed, and some people, oh yeah, here we go, football speed. We know what his forty was. Okay, when you put nice. those pads yeah. on and you put that Adrenaline, heavy helmet barrel. on, there's some players that can't do it, <laughs> and Dobbs has that. So the, here's what I want you to really know. So let's focus on on you know inside the box. Okay, let's focus. On the offensive line and the pass rush itself first, as we roll it here, Jacob. Look at the pocket that's formed here, man. Hmm. I mean, it, the, the first of all, the communication between the center and the guard. Because this guy right here, um, and I know you guys can't see this, I'm trying to describe it. The defensive tackle on the right side of the line. Everything I'm talking about is going to be from the perspective of the offense. So imagine you're in that Madden camera, right? You're playing Madden football, and you got the camera right behind the quarterback. Okay, so you've got. This, this defensive tackle on the right side, he's really going to stress and put strain on this right guard. And he wants this A to B gap uh, blitz here by the weak side linebacker. Again, it's the weak side linebacker because it's strong left. The tight end is on the left side of the formation. So what what he does, though, here, you can obviously tell that Jordan Love identified The linebacker as the mic, which tells the center he's responsible for the linebacker, and the guard is responsible for the D tackle. Obviously, the right tackle is responsible for the defensive end. But look at that pocket, man. Bam. Everybody picks it up. Jordan Love is responsible for the free blitzing linebacker. They don't have another guy to help block. But look at Jordan Love's drop. This is what really stood out to me. Pre-snap read was there. Now, first of all, DeGuara is open. The proper read here, especially on a fourth and three, is take the easy conversion, right, and just dump it to DeGuara. But what Jordan Love does, as soon as he snaps the ball, he recognizes Dobbs. Now, let's go to Dobbs and focus on him for a second. Dobbs is, you know, the guy's playing press man on him, right? That's what's what we're seeing. It looks like, okay, if he's in a zone, he's really, really sugar and deep. He's, I mean, he's all in on, on this acting job. The DB is shaded inside, what I call inside technique. He's playing Dobbs's left shoulder, which tells Dobbs and tells Love that he's playing inside technique. He's given an outside release, right? Well, it just so happens this play is designed where you've got Amari Rogers on the left side of the formation running that non-fade route, meaning it's a a go route, but you're going to bend to the outside. Dobbs is doing the same thing up here. So now it comes to the release with inside shade I was talking to Jacob about this offline. It would be so easy for a young receiver to go, oh, I'm toasting him outside, and just immediately go to the outside. If you do that, that DB might be able to run stride for stride with you. But what Dobbs does is so brilliant, he still gives an inside jab. He does a little stutter chop. He jams his left foot inside, and he forces the DB to commit inside because he knows that defensive coordinator – That The schematics of this specific play is you do not get Bingo inside. Why is that? Because the ball's got to come out quick because we're blitzing six and they've only got five in protection. So the goal is take any underneath routes away and force them to basically take a hit. So when the ball is snapped, the release is sick, Dobbs immediately separates. And what's beautiful about Jordan Love in this situation, guys, it was literally a three-step drop, one, two, three, foot hit back foot hits the ground hitch is clean and the ball comes out and it is a beautiful ball. So Dobbs great footwork on the outside release, great rhythm by Jordan Love, like I said with the three-step drop and a clean hitch and then Dobbs once again Jacob showing exactly what you said just a second ago. This guy's got game speed. Guys, it's literally not even 4 yards into the route and Dobbs already has 2 yards of separation. Like he's he's gone. The guy never recovers. Now, yes, yeah. the inside jab helped, but I'm telling you, this is what we're talking about with in-game speed when the pads go on. Now, let's go to Dobbs's scouting report. And this comes from NFL Draft Buzz. All right. 6'2, 204. He only ran a 4'5, 240, right? Not Blake. I mean, you talk about Christian Watson running a four, you know, possibly a four-two, definitely a four-three 40 at his size. You know, according to <clears throat> in shorts, basically running the 40 in the underwear. Um, Dobbs is one of the slower wide receivers on the field for the Green Bay Packers, right? 4'5240. But check this out. NFL draft buzz has his hands graded at 78%. Guys, that's showing up. We've seen the drops on the game Sunday. So his weakness is his hands, right? Especially, it's funny, he can make contested catches, but on that, that wide open crosser where Jordan Love was rolling left, Jacob, he, he couldn't catch it, right? It's amazing how that works. His short route running grade was 84%. His medium was 89, and his deep was 89. So this is a receiver that the strength of his game is medium to deep route running, and we're finding out that he has game speed. I mean, the separation there, as we watch it loop one more time here, Jacob, is, I mean, it's pretty impressive. And here's what's crazy. It happens here. It happened against Stokes, and you guys seen. As soon as he beat Stokes off the line, Stokes never recovered. Never. Stokes is one of the fastest corners in the league.
0: That was the play where he threw his helmet, right? Like he was so mad. Yeah, Yeah.
1: exactly. Now think about this. They were talking about how Jair locked him down the other day, right? Well, that route that he ran against Jair, he didn't catch the ball. But you remember in the tweet and everybody talking about it, he beat Jair off the line. Like he won the route. He just didn't make the catch. So we've got something special. Guys, this is a rookie. Like, if he builds on this, and again, it all comes back to, is someone going to really, really master their craft, right? Are they going to master their craft? And that's going to be the question for Romeo Dobbs. If he's this good as a rookie and he studies his craft like Devontae Adams did while he was here, oh, my God. I mean, and and here's the other thing, too. Give kudos to Jason Brabel. This kid failed. So far in the draft, what round did he fall to, Jacob? Fourth. So he falls all the way to the fourth round, right? So nobody's expecting him to contribute this year. And then he goes through. What's what's funny too,
0: remember uh, Eli Cummings did an interview with with, uh, Ryan, and I believe that at one point he said that he had him tipping into the early second, maybe late first, and then eventually settled into the fourth. But he said that that was like one of the biggest steals of the draft, in his opinion, and I think we obviously see why.
1: Yeah. I completely agree, man. I mean, it's uh it, it what's what's awesome is he falls to the fourth and then Jason Brable takes him in to 1 OTA and then 1 mini sure. camp and his first training camp you're seeing this. So, yes, Dobbs, Dobbs is looking great, but let's give Jason Brable some freaking credit. I mean, yeah. my goodness. Yeah. Now think about this, guys. And and this is the stuff that I really get into. I I probably think too far down the line sometimes, Jacob. But I'm already thinking if we have the success that we've had in the past, right, then everybody's going to come a-knocking and they're going to be poaching our our, uh, coaches again. So if Stinovich gets offered a a head coaching job, you've got Jason Vrabel in the background who's doing this kind of work with a, a rookie wide receiver. And I believe Jason Vrabel is actually the passing team coordinator too. He is he is getting trained up on, right now to be our next offensive coordinator. If indeed Stinevich does oh, yeah, go on, and he's NBA. not related to
0: to Mike Vrabel, is he?
1: I, is that's he a like great a son stuff. or something. He he may be related. I haven't looked into that. We need to do the research on that and tweet that out if he is, because that that would be pretty cool. That. It's so rare you see the name Vrabel, right? Especially yeah. <laughs> it's, like, it's yeah. But anyways, guys, that's your chalk talk segment. We want to start doing that. The first episode. Uh, following the post game show okay so we do the post game show on game day as soon as the games over we'll give you a recap of the game then we want to do one chalk talk and we want people to kind of understand it a little bit deeper level why was this play successful we may do as many as three, but I really feel like one should probably be the limit because, again, you guys can't see this visually, so it makes things difficult. I don't want it to be boring. But at the same time, I want you to come away understanding what happened on that play, why it was successful, who did what well, and who, who might not have done you know something as well. Like There is a negative aspect to that play, Jacob. Jordan Love yeah. did not hit the hot read. He should have hit yeah. the hot read on a fourth and three, in my opinion. Now, at the same time, it's hard to argue with a 33-yard touchdown dagger, (laughs) right? Because, again, he read inside technique. He knew that Dobbs was going to be on an outside release there on on a go fade. So snap the ball, bam, clean release, let's take a shot. I kind of like that. But I was going to
0: say, you almost like that mentality because, you know, Brett Favre wouldn't have taken the fourth and three easy throw. I'd like to think probably Rodgers isn't even going to take that. You know, he likes to throw it up there and – I like wow. that he had that confidence in himself and with the receiver that he said, okay, I'm not even going to look at my other, you know, read. I'm just going to throw this up there. I saw that he busted off the line and I like, you, you can't be mad at that. I, if anything, I think that shows that he's getting a little more confidence in himself and trust in his throws, trust in his reads.
1: Absolutely. And you, you mentioned Brett Favre. Brett Favre probably would have, Brett, Brett Farr probably would have seen the hot and said, that's too easy. He would have seen Dobbs and went, that's going to be open. Let me see if I can throw this through the defender's chest. It's got Amari Rogers completely locked up. <laughs> that was Brett Farr, right? I kind of miss those days, man. He was excited. Oh, yeah. It was a lot of fun. Um, all right, guys. So that's the Chalk Talk segment. Again, gun empty 11, strong left, 4929.4, 4 also known as an empty base flex, strong left, Coach Han's terminology—he refers to it as 11 NASCAR Trey left empty Hossy option. Jordan Love, to Romeo Dobbs, 33-yard touchdown strike, beautiful play, man. I'll tell you this: Jordan Love made some mistakes in that game. Some of you know th- there was there were several plays that weren't his fault. We would all agree, but there was some like that—that that ugly interception, Jacob, that he Oof. threw. Uh, yeah. You know when Amari Rogers. That's another great example. Remember when we were watching the game, I pointed out. That was a horrible mistake. I'm over here rewinding it on my big screen while we're doing the the live, you know, uh, whatever uh, watch party. And the reason I say it was a horrible mistake by Jordan Love is because in the same situation here, very similar to this play we just outlined, guys, when he came to the line of scrimmage, the defender that was lined up on Amari was playing mirror match press man, and he was in he was he had inside leverage, inside technique. He was playing his inside shoulder. Jordan Love should have immediately seen that and said, okay that slant is not there period move on to another read but instead he snaps the ball doesn't look at anybody else tries to hammer it in and it was completely covered up it could have been avoided with a pre-snap read and you guys know that one of the most important things when it comes to actually the four these are the four things that i think determine whether a quarterback can be a lead or not and as i'm doing it on the fly i hope i can remember them first of all extreme extremely accurate the 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 biggest the most important thing a quarterback can can have as far as a trait is accuracy, period. Next, in my opinion, is pre-snap read, post-snap read, and quick release. If a quarterback has those four things, Jacob, they can excel in National Football League. But we get so caught up in these quarterbacks like Jamar Russell that can throw a ball 80 yards down the field. Or Jamarcus Russell, I can't That's remember his right. name. No. Yeah, <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? You get so caught oh, up yeah. in oh, does he really have the arm strength. Are you serious? This guy is on tape, his entire career throwing 60-yard passes and you're you're questioning whether he has arm strength. Well, can he really yeah. get it between the two defenders? Who cares? I don't want him throwing between two defenders. I want him <laughs> throwing to the open receiver. And it's what Tom Brady does so well, it's what Aaron Rodgers does so well, it's what Josh Allen is starting to do so well, are pre-and-pro snap pre-and-post snap reads. It's absolutely huge. So, anyway, There it is. There's your uh, Chalk Talk segment. Hopefully we didn't bore you too much. Now let's do this. Let's take us a quick commercial break. When we get back, we're going to recap kind of what happened um, with the five players that I picked going into that game that I really wanted to focus on. And we're going to tell you exactly how good they did. And uh, then we'll we'll come back and talk a little bit of PFF. And uh, we also got a listener email for you too. So let's take us a quick commercial break. Hey, U.S. Cellular customers, I've got good news. So don't hit skip forward just yet. All right, so let's do this, Jacob. Let's uh let's talk about the five players that I picked last week that I said, "Hey, look, these are the guys that I want to watch in this 49ers preseason game." Okay? These are the guys that that I really want to kind of see how they come out and perform. I think they could play a big role for the Packers. They've maybe shown flashes in camp. And let's talk, let's list them out here. Number one on my list was Romeo Dobbs. His PFF grade ended up being a 66.0. To me, that checks out. That's right in that ballpark. We talked about in the past, Ryan's done it very, very well, that if a wide receiver can perform a – I'm not a wide receiver, but a rookie can perform in the 60s in PFF, it, it kind of shows you, okay, they can project later in their career to be a good football player. Romeo Dobbs finished with a 66. How did you think Romeo Dobbs played? I mean, did, did, obviously he got targeted. Was it seven times, only had three catches? but Seven again, times,
0: three receptions, yeah. I mean he did all right and i I think that there's a lot of things to be excited about but i i want to probably tamp down some expectations like ryan usually does you know i don't like the drops and apparently he's been known for that over his career but like you said this the small you don't teach the fact that he did that hard fake inside when he could have just released straight off you know the snap little things like that and he seems humble you watch him in his interviews he seems like a guy that's not overly cocky that he's willing to learn that he knows he has to learn i'm excited like you said he's a rookie man and he's showing very very promising traits already and i just like that game speed i don't think you can that's something that you you can't really scout for unless you play against the guy kind of thing right and and he just looks so impressive in that aspect like you said we've seen it against stokes now we've seen it against dbs and live speed so i'm just excited to see him take those steps and in the next couple preseason games he can maybe hopefully shake off those bugs shake off those small drops you know rogers is going to be giving him that death stare if he does that in the games where it <laughs> sends chills up and down your spine so i'm excited and i think there's only good things coming from Dobbs.
1: i completely agree i think he's i think he's on the right track again some people talk about him like he's a superstar i don't see that um, yeah, i think pump the brakes Pump the brakes there yeah. a little bit he's a great prospect and keep in mind too that it, it that play that we just dissected dissected on chalk talk if that had been week one, the receivers on the field most likely would have been from left to right Lazard, then Cobb in Amari's spot. And then on the opposite side would have been Sammy Watkins. So Dobbs's Dobbs's spot in that gun empty 11 strong left would have actually been played by Sammy Watkins, if I understand the depth chart correctly. Cause, you know, I, I do think that Alan Lazard is our ex receiver. And I kind of feel like, um, yeah he would have been he would have been in that spot so Dobbs wouldn't even had that opportunity in week 1 now here's what's cool if we come out in week 1 guys and we run 11 personnel and Dobbs is on the field we've got something special because that yeah. means yeah. the coaching staff is going holy cow he just blew past these vets right so i don't necessarily look at Dobbs as a slot receiver i'm not saying he couldn't play it um but in that scenario there um he he would definitely have uh i think that would have been Sammy Watkins on that side of the ball but we'll see, man. It's going to be fun. All right, up next, the number two player that I, that I was really wanting to key in on was Quay Walker. Really, really excited about Quay Walker. We talked about him having a great camp. He's really impressed. We've seen him at family night doing some special things, all, albeit a scrimmage. Not even a scrimmage, a practice at family night. Quay Walker came out, and his PFF grade was 56.9. Pretty bad. Okay, now let's draw a parallel. Josh Myers last year, our rookie center, performed in the 50s most of the year right so it's not horrible it's not a cut grade. it's not in the 30s like you see some of these guys like a roquan smith on certain aspects of their game but <laughs> it, here's the caveat though there were only 12 snaps that he played okay yeah so he played some yeah. special team snaps too but uh, from from my information i gathered very very limited row of quay walker did you see anything there or were you like me just kind of was non-existent in that in that game there
0: Yeah, I mean, I I don't think that's fair to judge him. One thing I did notice, and I think I sent you a message as we're watching her, just he looks like a beast out there, a man bear, (laughs) just standing there, Um, you know. And that's, I thought that he looked very quick laterally, you know, sideline to sideline for being that big. The guy can move, man, and he just looks scary. And I'm excited to see him and Devondre paired together. I, I, in in this situation, like you said, twelve. 12 snaps i'm not going to be too worried about it regardless of what his grade is even if he was in that well i shouldn't say if he was at roquan's level i'd probably be worried but you know
1: i think I'm i'm
0: not i'm not overthinking it i think that the guys put in the time the effort you give him another 12 snaps i bet you that grade evens out or even improves quite a bit
1: yeah, you're looking for that rookie baseline to be in the 60s as far as PFF grade. So the fact hmm. that he was just under it, it's not like overly alarming. But at the same time, I was a little bit like, ah, oh, man, I wish he'd done better. But 12 snaps, yeah, well, and you got to keep well, in mind, the players he are, had around. He's going two. against
0: the ones, right, at that point, pretty much.
1: He's going against the ones, and that 34 front playing in front of him were all of our backup defensive linemen. Exactly. So, you know, that you got to really, really put that into perspective, too. So number three on my list was Jordan Love he finished at a 58.0. I believe these these PFF grades were finalized. I went back and double checked them last night unless something changed this morning. Uh, 58.0. That's bad, Jacob. That was a bad game. And when I watched it, he showed arm talent. He showed arm talent. He 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 put placement like that ball to Dobbs. There was another one too that Dobbs didn't track the ball very well. That should have been a touchdown catch. Um he he did some things well. You can see the tools. You can see the medium to deep accuracy. Almost, I, I almost feel like he's got better deep accuracy than Rogers. I probably get roasted for that, but I've seen Rogers miss on a lot of deep balls, and it seems like Jordan Puff throws a pretty good deep ball. But as far as PFF grades, I guarantee you that play we we designed there with uh, with Dobbs Jacob, they probably gave him a bad grade on that because they seen the same thing I did. Now, granted, it was a it was a good throw right? It was good placement and all that, but the the proper read was the Guara underneath, especially with the, the down and distance being fourth and three. So um, yeah, 58, a little underwhelming for me. I want to see him at least performing in the sixties, especially in the preseason. But at the same time, what we said with Quay Walker, you're out there playing with a bunch of backups, right? Yeah.
0: All
1: right. So Jordan Love, did anything else stand out to you with him? Was there anything that you felt like, okay, he did great or, 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 you know, did bad? I just hate to see it's
0: this guy's just seems cursed. You know, he, I said on the post game show, it's, it's the classic one step forward, two steps back. And like the stat line, you know, I feel like I just, the, the fans that don't really dive into it, like a lot of us do, they just read that stat line and they say, ah, he's trash. You know, he's trash. We got to trade him. We got to cut him, whatever. And if you watch the whole game, you realize that that's not what happened and two of those interceptions are not his fault. And again, I'm not, giving him a, an out. I've been more critical of Jordan Love than a lot of people have, but I still do believe in him. And I think that if you, if you, if you don't, you've got to justify that with something other than, well, he sucks in preseason, you know? I don't.
1: <laughs> right. Right. It's, <clears throat> it's tough this time of year. We're all excited about football. The people who are going to be negative are going to be overly negative, And the people who are going to be positive are going to be overly positive. That's just, everything's magnified because we've been starved for football. For so long, oh, yeah. right? <laughs> so yeah. it's uh, it's definitely it comes into effect. Number four on my list, Kingsley. You ready for this? Oh, Inegbore. Um, there we go. I converted him. All right, there you go. I'm I'm gonna change it up all year just to tick people off. <laughs> well, I about I about said a bad word, man. That was close. Um, all right. So Kingsley Inegbore, right? Sixty point six was the PFF grade, guys. I checked that off as a success. I mean, <laughs> you you're talking about a rookie fifth round pick come out and perform in the 60s that's that's what you're looking for just like we said with romeo dobbs that's showing okay you've got something there that's you're you're in the ballpark now his pass rush
0: grade is 73 as well
1: wow i didn't know that i've got his pass rush grade is a 68.8 now against the run and we all talked about this 49.9 he is not a good run defender not saying he couldn't develop into that it's kind of the opposite of Rashawn Gary. You know, when, when Rashawn Gary played at Michigan, they had him playing inside a lot on the defensive line, and he was a great run defender, but he, he you know, he didn't never tally up any sacks hardly, right? It's kind of the opposite effect with Kingsley because he played a lot of that wide nine in college, and we talked about how the hash marks benefit that, right, with the, with the, mm-hmm. with the wider hash marks or whatever. You know, when it comes to Kingsley, he's going to be a great pass rusher, I think, at least a good pass rusher, but we've got to work on that run defense, right? Setting the edge and all that. So, again, checks the box, man. I'm excited about Kingsley. One game down, it's only one. It's a limited amount of reps, but he showed me something there. Did you, what did you think of Kingsley?
0: Yeah, I mean, that's that's definitely encouraging. And like you said, I don't remember the one sack where he just had that stiff arm kind of basically where he just ripped the guy and pushed him away. I mean, he, he shows that he's got that power. He's got the speed. I want to see if maybe – Man, if Gary could take him under his wing and kind of show him some more hand chops and that kind of stuff, some just the work ethic, the the drive, and he's got the size, he's got the speed, he's got the cool name, he's he's everything, man. He's ready to go. He just needs to put it all together. So I'm I'm about to buy me a, a Kingsley
1: jersey. Ooh, I like it, dude. I like it. Number five. This was the darling. This is the absolute darling of the game. Um, Zach Tom graded out as an eighty point one, Jacob. Now, listen, Royce Newman set the world on fire last preseason. All right. I got to so, tell you something
0: real quick, Clayton. Yeah, let's hear it. In the, as of like 45 minutes ago, they increased it to an 80.2. Hey. Must have found something. Man. Hey, get that extra <laughs> point one in shoes, there.
1: They said his shoes were tied perfectly. so they gave
0: him <laughs> <it>. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. Go ahead. What were we going to say? I'm sorry. No, I just got to get that extra point one, man. He earned it gotta get yeah, to
1: I, there. I, I love Pff man I really do just the fact that they're they're constantly trying to get better and anybody who bashes them, not anybody it's okay to say hey I don't like that approach that's cool man every you know right. I'm not saying right. I'm right and they're wrong but when people don't understand what it is and they bash it that's when I'm like okay you lost me dude like you're mm-hmm. you're basically saying there's you there's no other way of determining how well the player played other than statistics and I don't want to know about it if there is. And I'm just yeah. gonna tell you you're wrong because I want to be argumentative, you know.
0: So aka Bears fans.
1: Yeah, basically, yes, yeah, with Roll Corn. That was God, it was hilarious, dude. Literally, it was 48 hours past. I 48 hours earlier, I was in the conversation with him going, why do you like this guy? He had 160 he's tackles best, and he's so. this and that. He's he's a freak, blah blah You're stupid, you don't understand football. Go back to PFF. And then 48 hours later, they're going, I oh, just get rid of him. We ain't that big <laughs> like, what happened where's all that energy at? Oh man! (laughs) And I'm not one, I don't like to go on there and argue with other fan bases. I actually like getting along with other fan bases. And I feel like the second you, you have that superiority, like, okay, I can't learn anything from other people. I really feel like you're, you're robbing yourself of extra knowledge when it comes to the game of football. Mm -hmm. I'm just kind of weird like that, but it is funny watching some of the conversations, man. It's a, it's hilarious now i want to talk about one player so those are the five that i've talked about right so just to do a quick summary romeo dobbs 66 i checked it off as a success linebacker quay walker 56.9 i put a minus sign feel like it was a bad game limited snaps but a bad game number three quarterback jordan love a minus sign 58 got to got to play better they got to see more than that uh you know out of jordan love uh check mark for kingsley and igbari uh, like I said, a 60, uh, 68.8 rushing uh, rushing grade. And then you said he had a great tackling grade there, too. That's a mm-hmm. success. And then Zach Tom setting the world on fire with an 80.2. I think we got us an offensive line of the future there, guys. And someone who could potentially play right tackle, left tackle, like that's pretty exciting stuff. Now, um, one player that stood out outside of that top five, and Ryan pointed this out on Twitter, Josh Myers. Jacob, have you seen his grade? Oh, man, it's the best, best of them. 92.2 PFF grade, and now here there's there's kind of a caveat here. I went and looked at it. His pass rushing grade was only a 60, or a, I'm sorry, a pass blocking grade was only a 65.2, I believe. Right, but yep. his 90. run blocking grade 93.0, and it's funny because Whew. Coach Han, Coach Han jumped on the live stream with us, right? And and I remember there was one specific play where he, I think he called out Josh Myers, if I can remember, like, oh my God, he's road grading, like that's. It, it, it just kind of shows you people's strengths are starting to pop now. And uh, the fact that he had a 92.2 and Josh Myers was in the fifties for most of the year last year. Am I right, Jacob? Yep. Do you? Remember? Oh
0: yeah. Yeah. So very you underwhelming.
1: Kinda, yeah. Quay Walker, very first preseason game. We're overreacting. I know 56.9 doesn't mean anything. I mean, Josh Myers last year finishing in the fifties and he jumps up to a 92.2. Granted, you know, yeah. he probably wasn't going up against the ones, but I'm excited to see Josh Myers moving forward. Are there One any other on-
0: that's on 36 total, total plays too. Like it wasn't just, you know, five six seven eight nine ten 10 plays. That was on 36 total
1: plays. So total snaps. Yeah, absolutely. You know, another one, uh, Jake Hanson, Jake Hanson, uh, uh, oh. player that I mean, he's, he's really, really becoming one of my dark horses. What are you, you going to say about JK Jake Hanson? No,
0: it's just, that's one of those guys where we all kind of wrote him off and we wrote him off almost like two years ago. It seems like now, and he's quietly been grinding been working And, um, it's one of those picks, man. I'm I'm just, you, we have to learn to not count guys out, even if they have maybe like a slow start, you know, we're doing this with Amari. people talk stuff uh, smack about slate and look at what he's doing. You, people talked a lot of stuff about a lot of picks. And then if you give them time, the Packers don't draft for immediate success. They know that they've got the talent and the the coaching staff. We just give them a little bit of time. They're really good at molding these guys. I think we got to give them a little bit more, um, more leeway with that before we Start judging.
1: Yeah, completely agree, man. All right. So is there anything else you want to cover Jacob? As far as the, uh, as far as PFF goes,
0: I got, I got a couple of really cool things that I just was looking up. I heard, I listened to Ryan's podcast this morning and he went through the PFF grades like he does. And I want to just, copy and paste what he did so i started looking at some different uh, genres aspects ways of looking at it so real quick diamonds in the rough is what i call this low-key great player grades different from ryan's takes literally so as of the moment about like 7:30 this morning they only had i believe 12 to 14 teams graded but i mean that's roughly around just under half the half the league so as the, at that moment like i said around 7:30 this morning the packers were ranked number two so far in the team run blocking grade we had 82.5 second only to arizona which you know when we watch the the game we're all sitting here as armchair quarterbacks being like ah offensive line's not doing good blah 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 they actually graded out quite well, even individually. Uh, the Packers were the number one ranked tackling team in the NFL of all teams graded according to PFF currently at a seventy-seven point oh, seven. We'll get into that. Oh, in so, so Gary? Yes, sir. The Packers were ranked number two in defensive pass rush grade, which is seventy-five point one. Only to Arizona again. We looked. Annie Davis was grading out. Is grading out as the number eleventh ranked wide receiver. Um, Snaps were running a receiving route, so 78.8. Then we look over at our drop. We have, where is he, where is he, where is he? There we go. My boy, Juwan Winfrey, is tied for 14th with the uh, grade for hands drop, basically not dropping balls. Um, Ju- Juwan Winfrey is also the league's number 14th ranked wide receiver for, I'm sorry, yeah, drop ball. And then Shemar Jean Charles ranks 31st of all NFL defenders in run defensive grade. Isaiah McDuffie is ranking 38th. We've got Carpenter fourth overall in tackling grade, fourth overall, which I've been very, I, I would love to see Tariq do a lot more, you know, in camp, but the fact that he's ranked fourth overall in tackling grade is pretty awesome. He had 35 snaps. So I mean, that's not, not nothing. Dalen Levitt was ranked ninth. McDuffie comes in at 17th in tackling grades. So that shows you why our team is ranked so high in aspect, uh, the highest ranked Pash. Rush snaps. Get this. TJ Slayton comes in at number six with a 90.3 pass rush grade. And then Jonathan Garvin comes in at 11th with an 82.0. And then even big old Jonathan Ford ranks 27th with a 74.6 pass rushing grade, which I just thought was awesome. His rank 19th overall is the offensive grade for wide receivers. And Juan Winfrey ranks 24th. I just, I just, I'm so happy. <laughs> Juan Winfrey is yeah. finally He's making sure. me happy. Chris Barnes ranks fine. 20th in coverage. Nixon ranks 35th. Sorry. What were you saying?
1: No, 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 you're good. You're good. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. Was that yet? No. that everything. Just,
0: yeah. I got one more and then overall ranking receiving grade. BJ ranks fourth in the league right now for, with a 90.8 and Danny Davis ranks 24th with a 78.8. So just really fun. That battle, Cool stuff. That battle is heating up at
1: running back. Isn't it? I mean, Goodson showed some stuff. Baylor showed some stuff. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, Colin Hill's just over there going, oh, my God, <laughs> mm, yeah. I've got to get back S- on oh. the show. <laughs> Yeah, um, TJ Slayton was a pleasant surprise, right? So, Because I, I was communicating with Ryan on Twitter, and I posted that TJ Slayton had, had a pass rush, uh, whatever, uh, success rate of like 34% or something. And uh, mm-hmm. I thought he me corrected see. me and told me it was the younger player. But you're you're kind of I may have misunderstood him, too, um, on Twitter. But you're confirming that T.J. Slayton did indeed have a great pass rushing game, right? Correct. Number six, 90.3. Oh, love it, dude. Love it. That big guy. If he gets good at rushing the quarterback. Oh, my God. I mean, when it comes to playing two gap, all he's got to do is just getting people's way with that body mass. So covering the run, you're good. There, but- yeah. Yeah, you get him in the backfield, man. It kind of, I don't know, man. It it just opens up so many possibilities. But we're at the Mm -hmm. 51-minute mark. I want to keep it under an hour. So let's try to get to this email, and we'll get out of here, Jacob. This comes from, let's um, let's see here. So the email comes from, I'm trying to find the name here. He told me his name in it. Um, Okay, here it is. Hey, Clayton, my name is Emilio. I'm not going to try to say the last name. I don't want to butcher it. Love your show. Really glad (laughs) <laughs> really glad you joined up with Ryan uh, to uh, to add to the network. I think it's been a great addition. I've been meaning to send this email for a while, just now getting around to it is my fault. He said, uh, first bullet point, I was born September 24th. So I do think that you're onto something about being born in September and having a connection to the Packers. <laughs> um, number two, I know you always talk about learning from these business guys in Knoxville. Was it a specific business? If you can't go into detail, no worries. I just want, I was just wondering if I could learn anything. I've gotten a lawn and landscaping company off the ground and have a possibility for a partnership. And I was wondering if you had any advice uh, on getting yourself into a partnership or how to handle it moving forward. And then the third bullet point says, you talked about your catering business. My mom's had a, uh, has catered for 30 plus years in New York. If you need any help, give me a holler. Dude, I love that holler. See, they're speaking my language here, Jake. That's what I'm talking about, H-O-L-L-E-R. See, I, yeah, I love it. He says, I'm originally from upstate New York. Last year, my girlfriend and I moved to Maryville, Tennessee. Love it down here, and the people are crazy nice. Uh, We should definitely link up sometime. I completely agree, Emilio. Um, We need to get together. Now, here's this football stuff. I do really need some help on the possibility of me and my girlfriend going to our first game at Lambeau Field. Called into Ryan's After Dark, didn't have too much info for me. I know you and your, your now wife went on a whim. Is there anything you would suggest to do? Uh, what would be a good place to, uh, to get seats? And what is something you have to do for the first time you ever go? Love what you're doing. Keep it up, man. Great content, great work. Love the hustle. Um, awesome. Emilio, thank you. I'm going to answer the business stuff offline. I don't want to uh, bore our users with that, but yeah, I actually own a landscaping business as well. And I can give you some, they're so simple little tips on getting that thing started that. Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely, do. I'll send you an email with some, some tips there. But as far as going to Lambo the first time, Jake, I thought this would be a cool one to wrap up the show with and kind of answer for him. Um, obviously you've got family that live in Green Bay. What I did hear Emilio is I made a list. The first time I went to Lambeau, it was on a budget. Okay. So I'm going to explain to you what we did the first time we went that saved us money. So if you're on a budget, you know, and you got kind of a tight budget, this is probably the best way to go. Okay. First of all, get you a hotel in Appleton. Appleton's just outside of Green Bay. It's like, if I remember correctly, it was like 30 minutes away, something like that. Yep. That's where I was born. Oh, awesome! Yeah, so get your hotel in Appleton. It's cheaper. Um, there'll be rooms available. You want to book them as soon as possible. But it's a thirty-minute ride up. That's nothing when you're talking about going to Lambeau Field. You can get yep. your tickets at Event USA. There's probably a cheaper way of getting tickets, but I like going through Event USA because it's very, very secure. They've never let me down. Um, that's uh, that's something something I've always used. It used to be called uh, it wasn't Event USA, but it was called uh, Packer Fan Tours. But they've changed it to Event USA now. Right. Also something that's cheap that you're gonna to want to do the first time, tour Lambeau Field. Okay. It Jacob, I think I enjoy the Lambeau Field tour more than I enjoy watching a football game at Lambeau. I really do. It's it is so awesome walking down on the field. Uh if it's in the off season, you get to go into the locker room. There's so many Walk, cool things. Walking
0: out of that tunnel is the most amazing thing I've ever done in my life. I did it with my uh my family, my late grandmother before, and even she was like it's just awe-inspiring. It almost brings you to tears. It's crazy.
1: Yeah. Emilio, they took the concrete out of the old tunnel right before they created the new players' tunnel out of the old north tunnel. They busted up the concrete and and put it in the new yep. tunnel so that the players will walk across the same exact concrete that Vince Lombardi's Packers walked across. It's it's unbelievable. You get to walk across it, that same concrete. Um, also the uh, You want to tour the Packers Hall of Fame. Very, very affordable. Something you definitely want to do. They got the coolest exhibits in there. Um, as far as eating, there's a restaurant in the upper level of Lambeau. It's called uh, 1919 Kitchen and Tap. It used to be Curly's Pub, but it's 1919 Kitchen and Tap now. Excellent, excellent beer cheese soup. Make sure you get that. And obviously their cheese curds are phenomenal. They've got so many beers on tap. I don't know if you drink or not, but uh, i am i am a, I'm a two, three beer kind of guy and I'm ready to go to sleep, but I love trying some of that, that Wisconsin beer there, this local they got on tap. And uh, here's the other tip. Don't go broke at the pro shop. Okay. If you're on a budget, do not go in there and go crazy and go broke. All right. Now if you've got an expanded budget and I'm, I'm fortunate enough now that I've gotten to the point that this is how I go to green Bay now. All right. I go through Packer fan tours and I get the package and what they do is they book your hotel at the Lodge Kohler. You can get that. You got to go early, you got to get it in early because it fills up really, really quick. But I stay at the Lodge Kohler. It's literally right across the street from Lambeau Field. You can you walk out of the hotel and you're in Lambeau's parking lot. Basically, it's really, really cool. It's a top notch hotel. So I go through Event USA. I get the tickets that comes with the hotel. And also get the VIP tailgate pass through Event USA, and that's where you uh, you know you actually get to uh, um, three hours before the game down at D2 Sports Bar right down the street from Lambo, indoors, uh, climate controlled. You got big screens everywhere, all you can eat, all you can drink. Awesome three-hour ta- tailgate party. So if you're on a budget, stay in Appleton. Get just single tickets, don't worry about the packages. And then when you get up there, you can get a tour of Lambeau Field. Maybe order you could call them ahead of time and order that or get it on packers.com. I'm not exactly sure how you order it online. We always get ours through Event USA. If you got a little bit bigger budget, man, it is worth it to get the package and stay at the Lodge Kohler. So now you've got family right in Green Bay, right, Jacob?
0: Yep, multiple family members. Got a couple of uh, family members right outside of Green Bay. The one thing I'll suggest is that just just give yourself an extra hour to two hours and just walk through the parking lot. Just talk to people. Tell them where you're from. Grab a beer. You know what I mean? They, they are the most welcoming, even if you're from a different fan base. There'll, there'll be couches out there. Guys will have big screen TVs hooked up to their trucks. they will be big tailgating parties every single place. Just stop and talk to people and just work your way through the crowd and you'll make friends that
1: you will literally have lifelong relationships with. It's, it's insane. We'll be doing it this year, Jacob, because we're going up to that Rams game. My favorite thing to do is on the way to D2, to the, to the tailgate party is walk through the Packers tailgate. And it is unbelievable. Like it, that, that passing through, I've got some awesome videos. I need to send them to you so you can post them on Instagram um dude that that part right there probably my favorite and walking through the neighborhoods you know just one or str- one oh, or two it's so streets cool. over. yeah it's just so jealous man so jealous. we're gonna get us a house up there it's just a matter of time um but then yeah, also studio studio clean it's exactly right we want to convert it into a studio and be right there on on site um when you're coming back from the the vip tailgate party too everybody's in the parking lot. And I like to try to get in the stadium. I go to the tailgate party. The second the doors open, eat my food and everything. And then about an hour and a half before kickoff, I go on over to the stadium. Cause I want to get inside Lambeau field as quick as possible. So, um, yeah, that's, uh, hopefully that answered your question there. Again, if you don't get an email from me in a couple of days, uh, Emilio, about the business question, email me back and remind me and we'll start a conversation. I might even get your cell and we'll text back and forth. But, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's the way I would handle. It. If you're on a budget, you got that little you know package. If you're if you're not on a budget, get you know, a little bit more money you can spend. That's the other thing too. Go up early if money isn't an issue. Um, you know, th- this is my vacation. A lot of people are going to Cancun and they're going you know to these exotic <laughs> beaches. I'm like, heck no, dude! I'm going up there to the frigid cold He's and I'm going, going to watch Wisconsin Wisconsin the Wisconsin, a winner. Yeah, we fly in three days before the game. And we spend a whole week. We spend seven days there, and and all the traffic and everything's already gone. And when we leave two days after after the game's over, there's nothing going on. Easy traffic all the way to the. You know, when you're taking the Uber to the airport, it's just a lot a lot more relaxing in that regard. And and the lodge Kohler has a spa that, man, my wife absolutely loves. <laughs> One of those water massage things, dude. It's sick.
0: Like, Your wife yeah. loves it. Come on, admit it, Clayton. I oh, can yeah, see you I, with the cucumbers on your eyes, getting the massage. Listen,
1: I'm going to say this. I, I got blew up on social media, on my personal social <laughs> media last year, because people seen me in that robe. They had me in a robe and they're walking <laughs> around that spa. And I'm telling you down here, I'm kind of known as a, a somewhat of a, I'm, I'm definitely blue collar and I'm a very, very tough love kind of person. Like I would do anything in the world for you. But if I find you if I, if I think you're being weak, and trying to get me to help you do something because you're being weak, dude, I'll be the first one to smack you and I'll cuff you in the back of the head. Like, dude, tough enough. Like, so when they see me in the robe, they were like, <laughs> wait, what is this? <laughs> so, yeah. But Hey, listen, happy I'm going to find that
0: picture. Ride. I'm going to find that picture. And I, I dedicate that. I will tweet it out to you guys. If you're listening, <laughs> I'm going to find that Clayton. I'll send JJ yeah. on it. <laughs>
1: All it's going to take is one DM to my wife, Mandy, and she, she would gladly share <laughs> it with everyone, I guarantee it. So, Anyway, all right, guys, that's the show. We went a little bit over, but again, uh, we wanted to answer that email for Emilio, and I'm sure there's other people. I don't know, man, before I started going to Green Bay on a regular basis, Jacob, I loved hearing stuff like this. I love just hearing what the atmosphere is like, and there's oh, yeah. nothing better than Green Bay, Wisconsin, for sure. So, Jacob, dude, thank you so much for your time, and I really, really appreciate it today. Yes, sir. Go, Go. Yeah. All right guys, let's uh, let's get out of here as always. Let's uh let's make sure we go out and be the change that we want to see in the world. And as always, always go pack go. Third down, years to go. The beaters, Seventeen to fourteen. Cowboys out in front.